Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Jim. Good morning. How many of you believe in angels? I had a really interesting experience Thursday. I had to go back to the doctor for my uh, six-month checkup for having heart surgery, open-heart surgery. And I was a little anxious about it because I didn't know what they were going to do or say. So I had to go back and have a uh, stress test and a heart monitor. And it was like a six-hour ordeal, and it was really bad. But anyway, uh, they took, they did the heart monitor first, and they said, we're going to do a, put you on a, on a treadmill. And so when I went in to, to get on the treadmill, they put, hooked me up with all these wires and everything and checked my blood pressure, and it was 190 over 100. And they got real concerned about it. They said, you can't get on the treadmill with that kind of high blood pressure. And I said, okay, what are we going to do? I thought they were going to send me home. I said, oh, we're going to give you an injection that, that uh, actually uh, kind of, um, I guess it acts like a, you're on the treadmill, but it, it only lasts about two minutes. And the doctor said, now this is going to be uncomfortable for you. Now, I never had done it before. I've always been on the treadmill. And uh, so they said, uh, it's going to make you kind of, Breathe real heavy like you were on a treadmill. Everything's going to happen as though you were on a treadmill, but you're not. You're just getting this injection. So they gave me the injection, and all of a sudden I started breathing heavy. I said, whoo. And then uh, uh, they checked my blood pressure, and it dropped to 60 over 40. So they, uh, they were about ready to call an ambulance. Uh, they gave me an injection of atropine or something like that and uh, some other kind of uh, injections. And after about three or four minutes, I uh, started beginning to recover, and after about 20 minutes, they said, I think he's going to live. And I asked, I, I, I asked the doctor before that, I asked the doctor, I said, well, you, am I dying? He said, no, not yet. <laughs> so anyway, after going through all that experience, I was a little bit discouraged because I figured this was kind of a, and then I've been praying about this, and I know several of you have prayed about for me. I was concerned that uh, <clears throat> this was kind of an indication that he was going to have to do something else, like another heart cath or something like that. And I just, I was just really discouraged after all that. So I went back in the waiting room. You have to wait 45 minutes before they go to the next procedure. And <clears throat> I was sitting there in the waiting, waiting room, and this very attractive uh, middle-aged woman was sitting there looking at me. I said, hmm, she must. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway... Uh, she got up and came over and sat down beside me. I said, boy, this is getting interesting. <clears throat> and she looked me right in the face. She said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. She says, well, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to come over and encourage you. I said, okay, thank you. And so we sat there and talked talk for just a second until she got up and went back to her chair. And I got, I was looking at my, you get every, those of you that subscribe to the Holy Bible uh, app, you get, a, you get a verse every day. And so I looked at the app, and, and it says what we just did. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, as you're doing. First Thessalonians. So even though I thought that was a very attractive lady, I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe it might have been an angel because uh, when I uh, came back out again, I was going to tell her thank you. She was gone. Never saw her again. I don't know whether she was there for for support for someone or whatever the case may be, but uh, 
I really believe she was an angel. <laughs> so after all of the uh, tests were completed, after about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the doctor came in and he looked at everything. He says, hmm, everything looks real good. Come back in six, uh, three months. <laughs> so good, good report. Amen. Thank you, Jim. We do have some visitors, so just so you know, Jim is one of our elders and is single, so. <laughs> you know, people thinking you're stepping out on, on anybody there, so. Amen. Dad, you want to come and just uh, welcome everybody and bless the people? Amen. Amen. Praise God. How many are glad you came this morning? <laughs> Woo, I'm going to tell you something. I'm excited about Jesus. Nothing in my circumstances has changed, but I want you to know this morning Jesus is alive and well. And he loves us. If you love him, just shout right now. Hallelujah! Woo! Praise your name. Praise your name. God is so good, isn't he? I mean, he is just so good to us. He meets us right where he is. My daddy used to give nuggets, and so I'm going to give you a nugget this morning, and I'm going to bless you if that's okay. Pastor Herman sometime back called on the, on the Lord's Prayer, and then for the Resurrection Sunday early morning service, I taught a little bit more on that. But I began to look at that thing, and I've been, I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. Remember now, uh, the first time that was done was at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus did it. And then when the disciples came, and he said, teach us how to pray. And I got to thinking about that thing, and think about it now. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so he starts out right there with relationship. Do you realize that you, he ask, you can ask him to meet your needs, and he doesn't even put sin in any of the top categories, he wants you to be more relationship conscious than you are sin conscious. He wants you to know that he's your father no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened to you. He has declared his love for you and he wants to bless you. He said, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, would you meet my needs today? And... Forgive me of my sins. It's almost like a byproduct, isn't it? Isn't that quite amazing? Amen. How many of you are forgiven this morning? Amen. Let me bless you. Father God, I thank you for each and every person here today. Lord, I thank you that you have shown us once again how much you care about us. That, Lord, you don't want us walking in that place of discontentment. But, Lord, you want us to be in that place of rejoicing in you. Lord, I release the joy over the, of the Lord over this house. That, Lord, that as we walk with you, that, Lord God, we laugh, we cry, we sing. Father God, we dance. Because you live, we live. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't. Amen, yeah. Praise you, Lord. Don't put up the slides just yet. Amen. Do you know what I'm preaching on today? Anybody in this place know what I'm preaching on today? Okay, Tammy's raising her hand. That's good. She's listening to me. I do that on purpose because I want to show you something. The Lord is really cool how he organizes services. I, I just, I, I don't panic nearly as much as I used to. I'm trying to get to the point where I don't panic or get concerned at all. I'm, I'm getting closer. But I'm just amazed at what God does uh, to bring in a service and bring it all around. Go ahead and put up the, the title slide there. <laughs> and then it just talked about relationship. We talked about coming out of the place of discontentment. And, and the only thing that does that is love. 
love. One of the, one of the mottos, one of the vision statements here at Southside Christian Fellowship, you can see it on our um, sign back here, but it's in this place you are loved, accepted, and received. And we don't take that lightly. We believe that wholeheartedly. But, but it's love. We got to love one another. We have to be driven by love. It's about that relationship. Amen. Amen. I just want to review real quick what we've been talking about and how this relates. We've been talking about excellence and how excellence is more than just a participation sport. It's not even a sport. It's just more than participation. And I like what Richard Stearns said, and I quoted this to you a couple weeks ago, said, good outcomes do not lead to excellence. Excellence leads to good outcomes. It's not about I'll get better once I have this, this, and this. It's about you got to start with the basics and the foundational stuff before God can trust you with more. And the most foundational item, the most foundational topic, the most foundational thing that we can have is love. And until we understand how to love, we're never going to be successful in Christianity. Until we learn how to love. What is our motivation? Why are we trying to be excellent? Is it to impress somebody else? Co-workers, bosses, neighbors, family, friends, or is it to impress the Lord, to please the Lord? What motivates us? What are we driven by? How do we go about becoming excellent in all situations? Again, we've got to be driven by love. I was talking with a couple that's going to be getting married here. If they were here, I'd, I'd point them out to you. But uh, when you see them, Jess and Bethany will be getting married in June been doing some counseling with them, and we finally got to some of the service parts of it, and they were selecting different pieces for their ceremony, and we got to the part about love, and of course, 1 Corinthians 13 came up, and I just love that chapter, and so we were going through that, and then I met with somebody else later in the week, and they started talking about the love chapter in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and then I was reading somewhere else, and it's talking about 1 Corinthians 13, I said, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something, maybe I should be looking towards 1 Corinthians 13 this week and, and be teaching on that. So I looked at 1 Corinthians 13. How many have ever read 1 Corinthians 13? I encourage you to go read it. It's a fantastic chapter in the Bible. It's a very easy chapter to read. Paul is talking about love and the importance of love. I just want to break down just a couple of pieces for you today and how that applies to our lives. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in the first verse, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men, and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I hope we would all agree that the things Paul was listing there are really good things. Really, really good things. Being able to communicate with people in love, to have all knowledge and have all faith and to give everything you have to feed the poor. I mean, these are great things to do, but if you don't do it in love, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. I don't want to get too political, but it, it amazes me that, that we have different people in politics that will come out and talk about giving, 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 giving. They want to give to other people, give to other people, give to other people, and then they submit their finances and you find out most of them give less than two percent of their own money away and that doesn't make any sense to me that that's not love and then you've got i'm not going to name names if you keep up with any politics you'll know who i'm talking about but there is one i believe he's a senator 
he actually lives in the neighborhood. It's not one of the best neighborhoods, but he lives in that neighborhood where he serves. That's putting his money where his mouth is. That, that's, that's love. That's saying, hey, look, I want to help my community, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do for my community. He's showing love. Well, God showed us love. Paul wrote about it here. He had just laid out the resources in chapter 12. I call this the love sandwich. Chapter 13 is all about love, but you got in between it two very important pieces, right? In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul lays out the case for the gifts of the Spirit. And these are tools that we can utilize to help us in our journey. There's a process. These are There's a toolbox. But Paul said, look, I laid all this out for you in chapter 12, but if you don't have love, it's worthless. It's worthless. It doesn't matter. You have to have love. I like what Robert Morris said. He said, having the Holy Spirit's power available to us isn't the same thing as making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit's life-changing power. See, the one way we operate that's not in love is just gimme, 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 gimme. I want to be able to do those things so people will look at me and say, hey, that guy can do this, this, and this. Man, that guy can prophesy. That guy can heal people. That guy can do this, this, and this. If you don't have love, it's a waste of time. It's worthless. Love is what drives us. Love is what should drive us. Our other vision statement is that we want to become passionate pursuers of God. Let me just tell you, you cannot be a passionate pursuer of God if you do not have love. If you don't have love. Driven by love. How many of you drive a vehicle? The rest of you just being driven around, right? But you know what a driver is, correct? What does a driver do? Hopefully, if they're good at their job, they get you to where you want to go. Say it again. Golf ball? I don't know how golf ball fits into that. Oh, a driver for a golf ball. Okay, that's not the kind of driver I'm talking about. I got you. That's pretty good. And I got to be honest with you, that driver does not get me where I want to go most of the time. (laughs) But if we're being driven by love, it will get us to the place God wants us to go. It'll get us to the place we're supposed to be. I can't ever tell you how to get back to a place because I enjoy the ride. We'll drive somewhere. Tammy's laughing really hard back there because she knows it's true. I think that God invented GPS specifically for me. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I, I, I get turned around no matter where I'm at. One time back in the day when they had pay phones, I know we got some younger people that when Jim talked about the high blood pressure, you didn't go, ooh, that's because you don't understand that just yet. They're like, what's that number all about? You're probably the same people that have no idea what I'm talking about when I say a pay phone, but you literally got out of the car and there was a phone there in the middle of the street, basically, and you put a quarter in there or 50 cents or however much it was at the time, and you could make a phone call. And uh, I knew I was lost. I called my dad and I said, Dad, I don't know where I'm at. I am lost. I cannot get my way back home. Let me tell you what I had done, just so you'll understand. I'm 16, 17, just really starting out driving. Don't go to Atlanta. I don't know that area much. I don't know about you, but I could get myself to a Braves game. I never could get us home. But I could find the drug bus that was going on. We wound up on every drug bus there was after an Atlanta Braves game. They would change the traffic pattern. And I'd be circling around. I was like, I think we've passed this three times now. I don't know how to get home. So I'm 16 or 17, I'd gotten myself stuck on 285. I'd driven the whole thing once or twice, and I was not getting anywhere. I didn't even know it was a loop. That's how lost I am. I'm like, what is going on? 
I called my dad. And then I'm lost. Listen, I, I don't even know where I met. He's trying to get me to find a road sign, a name, something. I said, all I know is I'm near the airplanes. And I held the phone out as if he could have some insight to where I was. I got him enough information, he got me home. He understood directions a whole lot better than I did. You know, I go for the ride. I enjoy the ride. I don't like to drive. I let If I let the Lord drive and I just get where he wants me to go, it would be a whole lot easier, a whole lot better, because that's what I feel like I do in my life sometimes. I feel like when I take control, I'm just sitting on 285 doing circles, and I don't have a clue where I'm going. I can't figure out how to get to where God wants me to go, and it's not until I call my father and tell him a little bit about where I'm at and throw up my hands and say, Lord, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know how to get back home. And he gives me the directions and shows me how to get back home because he knows exactly where I'm at. But the driver should take you where you want to go. Let's look at Matthew 22 here. Let's see where our driver wants us to go. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. It's our mission here. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That word love looms large. Love there is agapeo. I think that's close enough. We know the word agape is similar to agape, but here it's a verb. Agape is a noun. A verb is something we do. It's an action. It's not just describing something. We got to do something when we love. We got to take action when we love. We can't just talk about it. We got to actually do it. You can't just say you love God. You got to show it. I like how that uh, attractive young lady came up to Jim and asked, are you a Christian? As my boys are dating and growing up, I've told them I've really only got one rule, and that's that you date and eventually marry a good Christian woman. And they'll come home and say, I'm dating so-and-so. My first question is, is she a Christian? And they'll say, yes, she is. And then I'll say, how do you know? Because if they just say they're Christian, that don't mean they're a Christian. Just because we say we love something doesn't mean we love something. Just because we say we love someone doesn't mean we love someone. What do our actions say? What are we doing about it? You see, God did something about it. God said he loved you and me. And he showed us. He did something about it. Teddy Roosevelt said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When Jesus talks about when you did it to the least of these, he's not just talking about taking them to church and preaching the gospel to them. He's talking about actually physically feeding and watering and taking care of people. See, love is not just about telling people about heaven and Jesus. It's about loving them in their situation. And shouldn't we do that? Because doesn't that imitate our Father in heaven? Doesn't He love us where we're at? He doesn't say, if you'll do this, this, and this, then I'll love you. He didn't say that. Matter of fact, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. God loves you no matter who you are and what you've done. God loves you. See, God showed his love. He treated that agapeo as a verb, as love. He showed that. We read about it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Same verb there. 
as we see in Matthew 22 that Jesus uses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let me take a slight tangent for a second. Let me say this again. He didn't send him into the world to condemn the world. Our world is spending too much time condemning one another instead of loving one another, and they don't need the church and Christians to add on to that. They don't need the church to pile on to the condemnation. They need us to love the way that God loves. They need to see that love in action. They need to see us treating others with the same compassion that God treats us with. God didn't just talk about loving us. He showed us. You know, I will say that sometimes it's just part of the routine, but before I get off the phone, uh, pretty much no matter who it is, I, I just I tell them I love you. And I really do try to mean that every time. Sometimes it's just part of the end of the conversation. But but one of the things that I was taught when I grew up is that we should never end a conversation with hate or anger or malice or strife, that we ought, we ought to love each other. We might not agree on everything, but my dad, my mom wanted me to know that they loved me. So it didn't matter where we were at, what we were going through. They always ended whatever was going on with, I love you. And they meant it. And I knew they meant it because they backed it up with their actions. You know, I know that we're living in a generation where a lot of kids don't get spanked anymore, but I didn't, I missed that cutoff. I, I missed it. I, anybody else miss that cutoff? We, my daddy believed in spankings. Let me rephrase that. My mama believed in spankings. My daddy loved my mama, so he, he believed in spankings, you know, because of her. It didn't take me long though. I didn't enjoy those spankings. It didn't take me long to figure out that's not the route I wanted to take, so I corrected my behavior for the most part, and I, I walked straight line. I wasn't a rebellious kid. I didn't like those spankings. But it's hard for me as a kid to understand how that's love. But as I get older, I see that because of the correction they gave me, and because after the spanking, they didn't just call me names and insult me, they didn't abuse me, they didn't beat me. They didn't punch me. They didn't spit on me. They didn't do uh, uh, abuse. They loved me even through the discipline. And how did I know that? Because they would back that up by still taking care of me, showing me love, not allowing me to continue with the bad behavior. And it really was a last resort. They didn't jump to those spankings right away. You can, you can be guaranteed that if I got to the spanking part, I'd already pushed the limits quite a bit. It wasn't my first referral. I had been referred to the disciplinarian many times before I got the spanking. And so it was deserved. But they showed me through their actions that that was a part of the discipline. And can I tell you that I don't really remember how many spankings I got because they were few and far between. But I remember all the love that I got and continue to get to this day. I can remember my parents as they supported me through both physical Times where they would show up at, at games and they would provide meals, but also through their verbiage, the way they talked to me. It wasn't just saying I love you. It was the way that they encouraged me, the way that they spoke to me. I'll never forget coming home in eighth grade and I was tired of my name. Herman used to be a pretty rough name, I thought. And I knew that because all my friends, quotes, make fun of me. And Herman Munster was a popular show at the time. Herman's head... I don't know, Herman the German, I don't even know how that's an insult, but somehow that became an insult. 
And then some of you can take it further and understand that middle school kids can come up with some pretty ridiculous things that rhyme with Herman, so I'll just stop there. And all that was said to me, and they'd laugh, and that was fun. I was tired of it. So I came home. I told my mom and dad, I'm changing my name. Much to my surprise, my dad didn't tell me no. But he did tell me that I could change my name, but it wouldn't change those kids' actions. That until I understood who I was, none of that would change. And it wasn't too long after that that I started to understand what he was telling me. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang in there. And I understood who I was. See, I wasn't just the first Herman. I was the fourth. There was a reason I was named Herman. It wasn't just to be picked on. There was purpose behind that name. There was thought put into that name. It was given to me, not forced upon me. As I began to embrace who I was, not just as Herman, but as a Christian, as I began to embrace who God made me, I started being able to laugh with myself. And I took all the power those guys had away from them. And they never... I, I mean, that we joked around, but it never hurt me anymore from that day on. Then I, then I proudly wore the name because I started to understand who I was. See, when we're driven by love, we begin to understand who we are. We begin to understand that the name that God's given you was picked out purposefully. That the gender, the color, the, the, the nationality, whatever you grew up with, whoever you are, God loved you, and he made you special. And when you begin to understand who you are, who God made you, then nothing around you that's harmful, hurtful, or hateful can ever last. It can never last. I'm not saying there's not some pain that goes along with life. I'm not saying that insults don't hurt. I'm not saying that abuse doesn't hurt. Those things are horrible. They're heinous. But when you understand who you are, they can no longer control you. That's being driven by love. That's why God came and died for us, to help us understand that he made us special. Let me go one step further. You read the headlines right now, our world is in mass chaos over identity. If you're reading the headlines and getting mad at people, you need to seek God a little bit more, to go into that secret place that Sonia talked about last week. Because you see, God don't hate them. God don't hate them at all. In fact, a lot of people think that they're acting in love. Most people I run into are not evil on purpose. They are doing things they think are right and are built out of love. So how do we help them? We show them what true love is. What's true love? Jesus is true love. When they beat him, when they put a crown of thorns on his head, when they nailed him to the cross, knowing he could have contacted heaven at any point in time, he didn't. He let them abuse him. Why? Because there was something bigger at stake. There was something bigger around the corner. And only through his death and resurrection could that be achieved. And he understood who he was on this earth. He understood who God had called him to be. And that's the only way that he could have carried out the mission God had for him, because he was driven by that love for the Father. See, the mission God's got for you may not be the easiest one. Paul didn't have an easy mission. God told him straight up it was not going to be easy. 
But Paul was driven by love. And thank God that he listened to the Lord and wrote the scriptures that we read about in 1 Corinthians. Again, God didn't just talk about it. He showed us. we got to be like God. We can't just talk to people about love. We have to show them. And when we don't understand how to love people, we have to submit that to the Lord. And we have to be honest and say, Lord, right now I don't really love them. I don't know how to love them. They're irritating me. They're frustrating me. I don't agree with them. But, Lord, if you show me, I'll love them the way you love them. I'll love them the way you love them, Father God. How do we know if we're being driven by love? Well, Paul broke that down for us as well. You know, I remember pursuing baseball. We're talking about being passionate pursuers of God. You know, how did I know I was in love with baseball? Because that's what I thought about all the time. That's what I did. I went to camps. I went to practices. I tried to get better. The video games I played were mostly baseball stuff. I loved baseball. Everything I was doing that was around me was about baseball. Then I met a girl named Tammy. And that love shifted. And then I was in love with Tammy. And everything around me was about Tammy. Everywhere I, everywhere I went, everything I thought about was about Tammy. We need to have that love and more about our Savior, about God. Because guess what? That's what He thinks about us. That's all He can think about. That's all He can think about is you and me. That's all He can think about is you and me. When you read the Scriptures, He's thinking about that love He has for you and me. He's wanting that relationship that Dad talked about earlier. That's how much He loves us. Unfortunately, we get off track. And we read stories of people like Ananias and Sapphira who lie to God and the church and try to be something they're not for other people to brag on them. We, we read about Simon the sorcerer who did get saved but still didn't understand what it meant to have that relationship with God. And when he saw the disciples laying hands on people and they were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he was willing to pay to get that power. He didn't understand what love was. He didn't understand love. So how do we know if we're driven by love? That's just a couple examples. They're not driven by love, right? So how do we know if we're driven by love? Well, Paul gave us a litmus test. How many of you know what a litmus test is? I talked about it a couple weeks ago. A litmus test is just basically, it's figuratively means the bar of acceptability. It's what we believe to be true. It's what we believe to be acceptable. Well, Paul gave us that litmus test, that bar of acceptability in the fourth through seventh verses there. It says, love suffers long and is kind. That's step one right there. I mean, that's one test right out the bat, right out the gate there. Do you suffer long and, in, and, and are you kind? Can you replace the word love with your name? Herman suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself as it is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And verse 13 says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I would not encourage you to replace your name there. It's not faith, hope, Herman, the greatest of these is Herman. No, no, it's love. It's love. Can you go through each of those? That's your litmus test. Do you truly love people? I've told you many times, 
Becoming a pastor has been one of the hardest things for me, and maybe not for the reasons you think, but it has ruined my relationship with movies and TV. Ruined it. I used to love a good revenge movie, you know? Just come back and just destroy that person that's being evil. And now God won't allow me to enjoy that at all. Because that's not love. That's not love. Man, didn't Jesus do these things? Did he suffer long? Was he kind? He wasn't envious, was he? He didn't parade himself around, and he definitely was one that could have. Matter of fact, it amazes me how many times you read the New Testament where he tells people, don't tell anybody I did this. Don't tell anybody I did this. I told you a few weeks ago, I was reading again where, where Jesus asks Peter, who do, who, do, who do you say I am? And he says, you're Jesus, the Son of God. And God says, uh, Jesus says, man has not revealed this to you. And a little later on, he tells him, he says, but you can't tell anybody that yet. What do you mean I can't tell anybody that? This is one of the greatest revelations I've ever had in my life, and I can't tell anybody? You read a little further, and then Jesus takes a few of them up to the Mount Transfiguration where they meet the Father. They meet God and some other heroes, right? And man, I can't imagine what it was like. And as they're walking down the mountain, talking about it, Jesus says, you can't tell anybody about this. What? There was a time, right? But part of that was also because there's a, there's a growing that had to happen, so they didn't boast. So they didn't boast. So they understood the true reason of Jesus' existence. So they understood the true fulfillment. And that wasn't going to come until he died and was resurrected. And then after that, Jesus told them to tell everybody. He said, go everywhere and tell everybody about me. But Jesus didn't boast. He wasn't puffed up. He did not behave rudely. People love to quote the scriptures and talk about how he turned over the tables of the temple. That was discipline. He wasn't being rude. He didn't seek his own. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Told his mom, I got to be about the Father's business. I only say what the Father tells me to say. It wasn't about him. He wasn't provoked. He didn't think on evil. And he definitely had plenty of opportunity to be provoked. That's all the Sadducees and Pharisees did was try to provoke him and trap him. Mm. He didn't rejoice in iniquity. He didn't rejoice in, uh, he, he did rejoice in the truth. He definitely bore all things. He definitely believed all things. He definitely hoped all things and he definitely endured all things. See, if we have any chance to have an abundant life while we're here on this earth. We have to be driven by that same love that Jesus showed us. We have to have that same love in the schools that we attend. We have to have that same love in the jobs that we work. We have to have that same love in the marketplace when we talk to people. We have to have that same love in the restaurants when we go and we eat. I want to encourage you today to take inventory. Are there areas in your life where you are not operating in love? Christianity is a journey, just so you know. I don't expect anybody in here to tell me that they've got it all figured out. I don't expect anybody in here to tell me that they're perfect and they understand all these things. What I expect are people that are willing to submit themselves to the Lord, to examine themselves, and to work on the areas that God wants to work on. So as I read through these one more time, Ask yourself, is this an area that you excel at? 
or do you need God to help you? Love is love suffers long. Another word is patient. And it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I want you to remember that the three that Paul reminded us that abide, faith, hope, love, but the greatest is love. If you understand how to operate in the Spirit and, and access the tools of the Spirit and understand the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't have love, it's worthless. The reason that our mission is to pursue God passionately is because we want to love Him the way that He loves us. Because that's the only way that we're going to be driven by love and not stuck on a place like 285, just going in circles and not knowing where to go. That's the only way we can look at a coworker that's been miserable to us and treating us poorly and say, I still love you and mean it. That's the only way we can serve a boss that's absolutely taking advantage of us, mistreating us, is that we're driven by love and we understand we're there to serve the king. And that through that service, and through that love, lives will be changed. When Jesus did those things, were there not many lives changed? The whole world changed because of his love. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. God's called you to be driven by love. You can be pretty sure that if you're angry about something and it's bringing you to the, the place of rage, <laughs> you, you got some areas to work on. Let me just let you know a little something. You, you're not alone. You're not alone. If I had everybody in here raise their hand, somebody in here, uh, everybody in here would raise their hand that they got areas they need to work on in terms of love. Our world is trying to redefine what love is. As a Christian, it's not our job to go and tell them they're wrong and just keep pointing a finger in their face. Our job is to take action the way God did by showing people what love is. Let our actions speak louder than our words. Let's show people that we truly do care about them, and then they will care about us. The whole church here is made up of people that care about each other. None of the things that have happened here happened because of a job. It happened because of love. The rails that got put up, this stage, all the equipment, you showing up today, this out of love, this out of a desire to be together as brother and sister, to walk with one another because we're all trying to figure this out. But if we're not driven by love, we can study everything in the Bible here. If it's not driven by love, we're wasting our time. So I encourage you today, in fact, I'll just tell you the altars are open. If you need somebody to stand with you, you just don't have it figured out. You're struggling in that area of love. You know, you're supposed to. You just can't quite figure out how to. I want to walk. I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you. I want to encourage you. And if that's you, I'm going to tell you that the altars are open. I know that we've had time for ministry, and maybe that's not something you need to deal with right now. That's okay. But I don't want you to get out of here thinking that nobody's with you.
Hey, we don't care about you. Hey, we don't just put up this sign just because it sounds good. You are loved in this place. You are accepted in this place. You are received in this place. Mm. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this day, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that you were driven by love, that you continue to be driven by love. Father, we ask you to continue to show us how to get off that never-ending circle that leads to nowhere, Father. Lord, continue to show us how to love others, Lord. Father, may we see in people what you see in them, Father God. Lord, may we have the strength to overcome a situation in our life, whether it be friends or family or coworkers or bosses, Lord God, that are not treating us right, Father God. May we have the ability to be driven by love. Lord, may we be able to be compassionate. Lord, may we have that peace that passes all understanding. When people say, how can you be at peace over this situation? You say, God, that's the only way. Because of God. Lord, ultimately, may we please you and not each other. Father, may we know better how to love you with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole soul, Father God. Lord, that we may know how to love our neighbor as ourself, the way you loved our neighbors, Lord God. Lord, you are our all in all. Lord, we give you praise this day in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.